Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public, might make your stomach hurt. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind, you better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack, you better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast, episode 142 intentional i serve as your humble and also gracious host bryce isaiah and thank you for tuning in to another week of the purple pants podcast if you have not already please be so kind to ensure that you are subscribed to the purple pants podcast we're available on apple podcasts google podcasts wherever it is that podcasts are there the purple pants podcast is waiting for you to subscribe hit that five star button and write a review for your baby boy what's the tea everybody how has everyone been doing it's so much going on in the world we're on the brinks of world war three you know we are praying for the people out there that are going through what they're going through over there in the ukraine situation and so it just really kind of lends to just be nice to people show somebody some love it's just so much going on in the world and there's so much for us to be grateful for which leads me to the title of this podcast intentional we need to be more intentional with our words with our thoughts and with our being i have a quick story that i i did not want to share because it's somewhat personal to me but in talking with my support system and talking with my counselors they tell me that i should be celebrating these type of successes and so at the start of 2022 i wanted to be more intentional with my finances i wanted to be more intentional with saving i want to be financially free i want to be that that can take a trip when i want to take a trip i want to i want to shop when i want to shop i want to just feel more financially secure. And so I went out and I got myself a financial advisor. And one of the type goals that my financial advisor has set for me in 2022 was to eliminate my credit card debt. I don't have a lot of credit card debt, but I got this one credit card. Y'all know that one credit card when you was in college and you was going to Miami and you was buying them true religion jeans and you was buying them Dior glad like you know that one credit card that you still got today and you're still just paying a minimum payment on. You know, that credit card I still have. And my financial advisor was like, I would suggest that 
2022 to meet some of the goals. Cause one of my goals is not to have any debt. And another one of my goals is like, you know, I want to buy a house soon or maybe relocate. And I want to be able to have the finances to do that. So my first goal in 2022 from my financial advisor has been to eliminate my credit card debt. And so my financial advisor has put me on a budget and baby, a budget is like a diet. I don't like it. And I've had to be so intentional with my spending. Y'all know I love a Uber Eats or a DoorDash. I had to be intentional with my savings, with how I shop. Just, you know, literally looking at everything. And within my close circle of friends, I've been talking about this to them. And just, you know, just along the way, my dislikes for not being able to spend how I want to be- spend, my dislikes for not being able to going out and just like, you know, just being intentional and letting the people that I care about around me know what I am doing and the goals that I am, I'm trying to meet. And so it has been an interesting type of couple of months because I've been intentionally making aggressive credit card payments. And my goal ultimately was by the end of 2022, my credit card debt will be gone. And so You know, I've been doing what I've been needing to do. And I think the universe has such a interesting way of supporting when you put good things out there, because in and mind you, it's, it's March now. So what, two and a half months, two months I've been, you know, making payments and there have been other stuff that I've supposed to do that I've been paying into and it got canceled. And so I got a lump sum of money back from that. And spicy bicey was like ooh, let's spend but you know what my financial advisor said put that to the credit card been doing that and slowly but surely i'm like ooh, the debt is coming down now last week we had our appraisal at work where you know you see if you get a little increase or you know our bonus season and the bonus season last year was not good to me so i wasn't expecting anything but baby This year, the bonus was a blessing and I actually looked at the bonus and I actually looked at my credit card debt and I am like proud to report that by the time this podcast comes out, baby boy don't have no credit card debt. And it is for me and I don't like to normally I don't celebrate this type of stuff, but my financial advisor was saying like, this is a big goal and this is something that you've been working towards and you've met your goal faster than you ever could have thought. And I I, I reflected on that and I was like, wow, like, you know, that is a big step and I should celebrate it. And, you know, I want to encourage anybody be intentional. And I really do feel like if I was not intentional about setting this goal, if I was not intentional about talking to my friends about it. So when my friends are like, hey, happy hour this Friday, ooh, come out for my birthday brunch. And I'm saying, actually, I can't because <laughs> I'm saving and, and this ain't on the budget. And just how me being intentional, I felt like the universe, you know, I was supposed to go on the trip. The trip didn't go. So I got the money back from the trip. So I was able to put it to my credit card. I feel like this year from my appraisal at work, I'm getting this blessing. And I, I truly believe that it's from being intentional. And I'm like, wow, our words really do have power. And I'm trying to harness this energy and so many other ways in my life because I am literally seeing the proof in it. And I just want to encourage some purple pants posse members out there. 
We need to be intentional, intentional with our finances, intentional with our self-love, intentional with the love that we give out, intentional with the friends that we keep around us, intentional with our goals, intentional with our work, intentional with our small businesses that we trying to get off the ground, intentional with any and every part of our life. We need to be intentional. We need to speak it because I really do believe that if you speak it into existence, it can happen, but not just speaking it, following the steps, making your inner circle aware of what's going on so they can hold you accountable. Okay. That's my praise report this week. Intentional. I was, I ain't believe it, but baby, when I made that payment and that credit card bill is zero. And again, my goal was to get it done by December 2022. Okay. I was like, listen, now my financial advisor talking about let's work on your student loan. Ah, that ain't, ah, we ain't signed up for that. Okay. We said the credit card. Whew. Pray with me, y'all, because now, child, now they're trying to get me to tackle my student loans. Listen, they ain't, listen, that's not the problem. But, okay, whew, that's spicy, bricey talking. Gotta be intentional. I'm excited for this week's episode. You know we got the church announcements. You know it's the season finale of Euphoria, so I got to break it down. It's amazing race. I got my boo-boo Brooke Cam High up in here. I am talking the Kanye West documentary on Netflix. We got advice with Bryce. We got Freak of the Week. Listen, it's a jam-packed episode, so let me be intentional and let y'all know the church announcements is coming. On this week's church announcements, I want to remind everybody that, listen, we are shy of one week away from the Survivor Season 42 premiere March 9th. And listen, if you are in the New Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware, New York area, come join Wendell and I for Bryce and Wynn presents the 42 premiere. We are headed to New York City. We only got a couple of tickets left. So I'm trying to tell you they're going like hotcakes. So listen, click the link in my Instagram bio or Wendell's Instagram bio or head over to Bryce and Win present the Instagram page. Click the link and get your ticket because listen, we been, baby boy is getting excited. And you know, if Survivor is returning, then you know your baby boys, me, Jack and Wendell will be returning for Survivor News. So listen. Get them tickets. We one week or shy, just shy of one week away from the Survivor 42 premiere. So come on and watch and celebrate with your baby boys. It's Bryce and Wynn present. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's a man who. It's a man you. Me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. It's a man who. It's a man you. Me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. Get in here, get in here. Your baby boy has just pressed pause on the TV and who, baby, baby, this season finale had your baby boy crying. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm sure my neighbors was like, what is going on down there? Season two of Euphoria. Let me just get my thoughts together, y'all, because we got some closure. We had to say goodbye to some people that I did not want to say goodbye to. We had some laughs. Um, So it's so much that went on in this final episode. It is hard for me to give a chronological order of the recap. So I took notes on people. Now, the most important people that we need to talk about is Rue. We need to talk about Fesco. We need to talk about Lexi. And we need to talk about Nate. So let's get into it. Now, mind you, when I am going to be talking about some of these people, it might come back up again because the episode was definitely cross intersections. Okay. So we will give our conclusion to Nate. We seen last episode, he walked out Alexi's play because he had enough. We see Nate driving, drinking, got a loaded gun. Good thing he not a brother. (laughs) Anyway, driving, pulls up to some warehouse, okay? It's the warehouse where Nate's daddy has been staying. And child, by the looks of it, Nate's daddy has been having a good time. Okay. He is there with some, <laughs> just, just a whole bunch of people. Okay. Everybody half naked. Look like they just having a good old time. Nate walks in, pours himself up. What it looked like some Tito's. We know Nate got the gun in his hand. And we like, what's about to happen? Nate is telling his dad we both get off on hurting people and you know Nate's dad is like should I clear the room do you should we talk and Nate like no they they could be here he asks his dad are you happy the dad says yes and Nate is like well it's not fair that you get to ruin our lives 
and then leave and be happy. Nate Daddy asks everybody to leave. Now, I feel like we get some closure. Y'all know all season I've been speculating that Nate's daddy might have abused him. But I feel like Nate cleared the air. Nate said when he was 11 years old, he found his father's stash of him having sex with sex workers. And Nate reveals that since he found that, he's been having dreams of his dad having sex with him. And so that makes sense. That's traumatic at 11 years old to like find videos of your dad having sex. Like, you know what I mean? So it all, it, it makes sense. That's around the age that a couple of episodes ago when Nate's mom was saying, 9, 10, 11, you turned dark. I was speculating that maybe his dad abused him, but no, it's when Nate found all of this information out about his dad and it was haunting him. So Nate tells his dad that Nate, you know, just really kind of reveals his truth to his dad. And the dad says to Nate that he loves him and that he's sorry that he could not protect him and that the dad just felt like he was living a double life and he felt as though he was trying to shield Nate from it, but he didn't do a good job of it, but that he wants Nate to know he don't hate him. He loves him, baby. Now, mind you, you know, the whole time I'm thinking like, well, shoot, Nate got a gun. He about to kill his daddy. Nate pulls out the gun. He also pulls out a flash drive. And the dad says, well, what is that? And Nate says, it's everything. And the dad is like, everything? And then they in a warehouse. I don't know how the hell Nate daddy was staying in this warehouse. But through the background of the warehouse, we see police, not the sirens, but we see the lights. And so Nate's daddy's like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we seen even last episode when Rue was narrating she says that Nate's future really is in everything that Nate's dad built and all of Nate's life he's protecting his dad and although his dad might be a pedophile and all this other stuff Nate is still going to protect it because like Nate still wants the future of the business that the dad built but listen here we are Nathan called the police and is turning his daddy in now I know Nate has been a horrible person he could be a horrible person to me but listen I really feel like this is like character growth where Nate is really putting an end to his dad's terror and calling the police even at his own future possibly being affected but Nate wants peace and he turns his father into the cops. Whew, okay. Now that's Nate. Now who should we go to next? I feel like, okay, we'll go to Rue because listen, okay, we'll go to Rue because we're going, we're going to go to Fesco last and then we'll go to Cassie. And with Cassie come, Maddie, and all of them. So Rue is watching the play enjoying it she turns back and sees cassie in the window like (sighs) okay so remember that because we'll get to that when we pick up with cassie nate not nate child nate then put his daddy in jail rue reveals to us that last week she stopped by elliot's house and she makes amends with elliot she says that like you know he might have accidentally saved her life. 
And Ruth says, I owe a lot of people sorry, but I don't owe them. I don't owe a lot of people. I forgive them. And Rue essentially like forgives Elliot for, you know, the dirt that he didn't did. And I, and for me, I'm going back and forth. Is it so much of, I don't think it's so much of him in the Rue, him and the jewels. It's more of him revealing to Jewel. Like, for me, it was just confusing. Was it, what was Rue so mad at? Was it the fact that he told Jules that he was doing drugs or that he hooked up with Jules? But I think it's a combination of the both. And so she forgives him. Elliot, little cute behind self, is like, let me play you a song. Whoo! He start playing the song. He's playing on his guitar, singing it. And it's really like, I hope it was worth it. Um, Everything that we went through, just the words of the song, essentially it's saying, I hope that it was worth it. Hope everything that we went through in life and whatever the the trials and tribulation were worth it. And even if we apply it to the Elliot and and the Rue situation, it would have been worth it because everything that they went through ultimately came out for we see a sober Rue. And so after he's done playing the song, he asked her true for dare. Now we know the last time we left off with them, it was true for dare that they was going to rob the liquor store to get some Dargon salsa alcohol. And Rue chooses truth. And Elliot asks, do you think we still could be friends? And Rue responds, well, you're the one that said we're not good for each other. Mm. So, a lot of the rest of Rue's story is that we are watching Rue, watching the play, and baby, the play gets crunk. I'm going to say the crunk part for when I get to the girls. Um, but after the play is over, we see like these scenes that are constantly going back and forth in the play and outside of the play. Um, and throughout the play, we realize what has connected Lexi and Rue so much and Rue lost her father and Lexi was there for her Lexi kind of sort of lost her father we see a scene of Lexi getting woke up in the middle of the night and her mom is saying like it's your dad and they go to the hospital and it looks like he's in an accident um, and then there's constant scenes of like Rue giving her speech at her father's funeral and we really see their connection is that almost the loss of their father. And then we also get this pivotal point from Rue where Rue is an addict. And we learn that Lexi's dad is an addict and Rue tries to give her advice saying that like, you know, every day he wakes up, he wants to try to be a better person for you. And that's also part of the problem is that like, you know, he's an addict and he's going to continue to abuse. And so it's this parallel circle, but Rue actually tells Lexi that watching the play, it's the first time in her life that she ever seen her life and she didn't hate it. And she told Lexi like seeing it meant the world to her. And you know, it was Lexi was so nervous about doing this play because clearly it's about her friends and the intimate secrets about them, but also about Lexi as well. And like, you know, just this conversation with Rue and Lexi really kind of gave me a lot of clarity on Lexi. And we know that Lexi's always been like the strong one in the friendships, the strong ones in the family, but like 
I always say on the podcast, sometimes you got to check on your strong friends. And I, I really think that the point of Lexi doing this play was like almost, you know, I say like self-reflection and to show everyone in the world, like everyone that's watching, like all that she has been through and endured. Um, and so Lexi and Rue leave off on a really good note. Um, we know that Rue still has yet to talk to Jules. At the end of the play, everyone gets up. Rue and Jules make eye contact. Jules comes over and Jules says to Rue, I know you're probably still mad at me, but I love you and I miss you. And Rue doesn't say much. She just kisses her on the forehead and walks out. And Jules is sitting there crying. And Rue tells us, and this is how the episode ends. It's like, you know, she says she stayed clean for the rest of the school year, although it wasn't by her choice. Um, And she doesn't know how long this feeling will last. And she thinks about to her sponsor, Ali. And he always said to her, it's the thought of being a good person that keeps him trying to be a good person. And so that's how the episode ends with Rue. And you know, listen, who knows when we're going to get another euphoria because baby is possibly looking like it probably won't be the 2024 because, you know, Zendaya is doing Dune 2 and she got other things that are going to end at the end of 2023. But anyway, that's just that tea. Okay, so now let's go into Lexi, Maddie and Cassie with this play. So, you know, the play is spilling everybody's interpersonal tea. So remember when I told y'all to remember the part in the Rue story? Okay, that's Cassie. Nate just broke up with her and Cassie is fuming. Rue looks back and sees her in the window as Cassie is walking down the aisle. Everyone is looking at her like, girl, what the hell is going on? Baby, Cassie, get up on that stage. And she's like, congratulations, Lexi. Congratulations, Lexi. Now, mind you, I ain't really that mad at Cassie because, listen, let that be spicy, Bricey, and my brother putting all my business up there. Who is going to be some problems? But Cassie gets up there and she is going off. Okay. She's like, yeah, it must be easy for you. Lexi to live in my shadows because you've never lived. I'm sorry if I lived. If I'm going to be the villain in the story, I'll be the villain. And so then she's like, is this the part where Marta steals the boyfriend? Now, mind you, obviously, Martin is her. And people in the audience are like, wait a minute. She's still the boyfriend. And child, you know, Maddie is like, yeah, she do. Because she a stupid and so Cassie and Maddie start going back and forth. Maddie's still in the audience, but y'all know Maddie has zero Fs to give. So then Cassie is looking for her sister like, where is Lexi? Where is Lexi? So then, child, the mom get up on the stage. And first of all, the mom's like, hi, everybody. I'm the real mom. And kudos to the, the young man that's playing me. He comes out. She give him a hug. Now, child, you know the mom trying to live in all this glory. So Lexi and Cassie is going at it on the stage and the mom is really like breaking it up. Like, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys. So then they try to continue with the play. People are like, is this a part of the play? 
And so the person that is playing Cassie in the play gets up on his podium and Lexi start going, not yeah, Cassie start going after her. And child, that's all Maddie needed. Maddie got up out that seat and it was literally a royal rumble on the stage. Okay. Chile. Then Maddie is after Cassie. Cassie is running from Maddie. Then they running down the hallway. And then, of course, you know, Angel's with them trying to break it up. Then it's just this random girl that's just like, beat her, Maddie. Beat her, Maddie. So while it is happening, the mom is like, shut the curtain. The people are looking for Lexi. One of the stage crew people finds Lexi. She's having a moment. The stage crew person is like, listen, girl. Tell me whatever play in this high school history that started a riot. So she gets Lexi to come back backstage and she's looking at the cast and Rue was in the audience and everybody's just sitting there like, but what the hell going on? What's what is going on? And then Rue is like, Lexi, 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 Lexi. Everybody's cheering for Lexi and she comes out. And Lexi says, like, well, that wasn't a part of the play. We're having some technical difficulties. And Lexi says, um, when I asked a friend about whether or not I should do this play because it might upset someone or people, the friend who we all know was Fesco says, sometimes people need to get their feelings hurt. And she goes on with the play. And throughout the play, when I was telling you about Rue, that's when that story kind of sort of intertwines. Um, And, you know, the play plays out how, like I told y'all, it played out. Now, also, we get to see Cassie, Angel, Maddie, and this random girl in the bathroom. Now, it looked like Maddie went to work on Cassie. And it looked like Cassie might have bit Maddie on the ankle. And they're just sitting there. Looked like, you know, child, you ever been to a fight? You child, I used to fight my brothers and we used to get tired and take a break. Looked like they was in a break. And Cassie is crying. And she says, like, you want to know what's funny? The worst part of it all is that before I even came back to the auditorium, Nate broke up with me. And Maddie says to her, it's just the beginning, baby. Because, you know, Maddie been through that roller coaster. But then Cassie looks up and it almost looks like a bit of excitement in Cassie's eyes. Because now Cassie's like, could it be another part of it? And then Cassie starts to cry. And now, mind you, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe the girls could come back together after this. You know, sometimes you sometimes you need to whoop somebody behind and then you could be friends. But then Maddie walks out. And then that's kind of the end of that realm. Now we got to get, oh, we got to get to the part I don't want to talk about. Oh, we got to get to the part I don't want to talk about. want to talk about my baby. So Fesco, we see what happens with Fesco and as to why he did not make it to the play. It picks back up with that guy. And I don't even know his name. I don't even want to know his name. Faye's boyfriend. Faye is the girl that is staying with Fesco and Ash. Who becomes almost like a sister to them. I think that she sees the genuineness. um, And like just the the family oriented that as dysfunctional as it may seem. So her boyfriend is back. You know, I told y'all last week, Ash was on to him. Ash went and got a knife because he didn't trust the bull. 
the guy had a phone and Fesco is getting ready to leave. You know, he just had Faye helping him get ready. Faye is in the kitchen drinking and she is looking like shook. And Fesco's like, hey guys, we're getting ready to get out of here. And the guy's like, you're getting ready to go? And Fesco's like, yeah, buddy, why would I not be leaving? And then the guy's like, we need to talk about something. You know, we need to talk about the police film who killed Mouse. Now, remember I was telling y'all, did Nate kill somebody last seat? Like, I couldn't remember. But okay, well, so clearly it was Mouse. And so when the guy says that, shout out to my girl, Faye, because I didn't know what side she was on. And I might have had to get her a Maddie down if she played with my man. Okay, sorry. <laughs> So y'all know I be listen. I I'm a part of the show. If y'all don't know, okay. I was I be I be I be a fly on the wall. So Faye drops the glass, and everyone is like looking at her. And she goes to pick the glass, and Fesco can see her, and she gives Fesco the shh sign, as in to not trust him. So Faye gets back up, and Faye's like. I thought you said that lady uh, that sells the drugs killed Mouse. And the boyfriend's like, what? Now, at this point, y'all know Ash is on go because Ash like something ain't right. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. So Ash pull a knife out from his sleeve and he's sitting on the edge of the couch. He's sitting on the edge of the couch because he like, and you know, the girl is like, you said that the people that like the lady with her two sons like you said that she killed mouse he's like what are you talking about and fesco don't say nothing and fesco is like hey buddy i think it's about time for you to leave and the guy gets up and babe you know ash is gonna go and ash just take the knife and curve and they like fresco like ash no so Ash stab him in the knife, in the neck. He starts bleeding. Fesco runs over there and covers his mouth. And he's like, shh, to Ash because they being recorded on that phone. And uh, I just, my baby Ash, as much as Ash is a killer and ready to go. And in that moment when he stabbed the young man, you see like the, the baby come out of Ash Trey. Like, you know, what did I just do? But he knew what he did. But he just like, what did I just do? And so it's like, oh, so the guy did, they take the phone, they put it in the juice and Fesco was just like, what is going on? Like, well, oh my God, what's about to happen? What's about to happen? What's about to happen? Now, mind you, I'm giving y'all the rundown, but all throughout the episode, it's like in and out of this, in and out of this. And so they come back. The young man is dead. Fesco runs over to Ash and pops him in the head. And he like, that's what, what did you do that for? And he's like, go in the bathroom and wash up and give me the knife because the police are about to bust in here. And no matter if you say you did it, I'm still going to go away for longer. So I'm going to take the rap on this. I'm going to take the fall. So just go out there and surrender. First of all, Fesco, yes, you better be that big brother. And so he is like, go out there and just surrender. And Ash goes in the back. Now, the girl Faye is looking at the cameras because, you know, Fesco and them got the cameras and they notice all of the cameras are being tilted down. Listen, the police is getting ready to come in there. But, baby, y'all know Ash ain't going out like that. So Ash go to the washer machine. He gets all their guns and their ammunition and he's headed into the bathroom and he's laying it all in the bathtub. 
And Fesco sees him, and Fesco's like, what are you doing, Ash? No, 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 Ash, no. And so Faye is standing at the door, and the police bang in the door, and as the police bang in the door, Ash hits Fesco over the head, so he gets out the way of the door, and Ash jumps in the bathtub. Now, I'm like, why the hell he getting in the bathtub? But then I'm like, you know what? Ash is smart. So Ash is sitting in the bathtub. Fesco is in the door saying like, no, no, no. The police come in. They got the 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 boy, the the <laughs> The, I, I can't even say the right name but y'all know what I'm talking about they got the red dots I'm about to say a bullseye yes they got the bullseye on Fesco Fesco's like there's a kid in there there's a kid in there there's a kid in there don't don't shoot don't shoot but then one of the officers that's in the living room makes like a noise and that's all Ash needed to hear and Ash went uh, he starts shooting I'm like oh no no my baby 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 Fesco gets hit from Ash shooting out they shooting in but Ash is in the bathtub so they're shooting and the bullets are missing him they go back and forth about four or five times then it gets quiet then the police walk over to Fesco they tell him shh so police opens the door we see the guns in the bathtub and I'm like oh Jesus now my baby now my baby now my baby now my baby then we see then we see Ash on the ground and they're like he's down and if y'all ever seen set it off when Queen Latifah was in the car and they was shooting her and they thought she was down baby Fesco pulled a Frankie okay and baby ashtray popped up clap clap boom shot the cop and then the next thing you know you see the bullseye on Ash and that's the last time we see Ash now I don't know why I'm getting so emotional because I just love me an Ash I feel like I am the type of friend that is an Ash right or wrong I'm a ride for you and I just like oh so our baby Ash is going and, and we don't see what happens we see them like pick Fesco up and the letter that he had for Lexi drops out of his pocket and the police are just stomping all over it. Ooh, child. It was a lot. I know y'all like baby boy. I know you're not crying. <laughs> but I am. I loved Ash. And you know I love my baby Fesco. And then we gotta wait till 2024 to see what's happening. And then Fesco probably gonna be on jail. The Ash is listen. Euphoria season two, season finale was it. If you haven't watched it watch it I gotta go hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mom. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Keep it the menu, roll it. Keep it the menu, roll it. Keep it the menu, roll it. Keep it rolling. And we are coming to an end of our leg of Amazing Race. We only got a couple or one more episode left of season 33. But listen, we are back covering episode 9 with my good Judy on duty, the Brooke to my cam. Hi! Hi! How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm, I'm mixed feelings right now. I'm great. All is great. But there's only one more, so... You know, it's like our penultimate conversation, and that makes me very sad. I know, it makes me sad, too, but... Like, we're not going to talk all the time. Well, I mean, I know, (laughs) but still, I love the fact that it's like, we set this time, and if I'm, like, two minutes late, you text me, like, where is you at? Are we still doing this? No. No, but I love it, though, because, like, I I set it in my calendar, um, and so I know it's coming up, but it's, I, at times, I can get so distracted, like, if my work phone rings, or, like, if my mom or my friend Sarah calls me and I start talking on the phone and then like I completely lose all track of time so no I love the fact that you keep me organized and together I'm just going to call you every week at the same time like we do this and be like what are you doing right now yeah we need to talk we need to keep it up yes 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 I am um, and I, I love the fact that I like I'm I yearn for these episodes like oh. when I I don't watch them live anymore just because I be just doing stuff. But I love my life. It's 4 a.m. You're watching it 4 a.m. Well, this, 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 it was 6 a.m. today. Okay. Because I had, like, such a a weird dream last night. I can't, well, mind you, okay, random or the random. So I had watched 600 Pound Life. That's, like, one of my guilty pleasures. I always mm-hmm. recall the episode. And so I had watched the Dolly story. And it was, like, this uh, woman named Dolly. She was 25. She was overweight. But she lived with her mom. But she she had some like limitations and boy did the limitations really show in the episode like she was with an abusive husband um she had a baby but she had moved back with the mom and the baby and then the mom got on the nerves and so she like went to a homeless shelter and then the ex-husband <gasps> girlfriend text her and the, the, the abusive husband wanted her back and wanted her to be a sister wife so oh then they were like recording at the husband's house and then a day later like they come on the thing and they say that like shortly after uh, the husband started uh, rearing his ugly head again and so now she was living with this guy named Philip who she met at the homeless shelter it was just like so much so I don't ask me why but I had this like random dream that it was me and a couple of other people and we were like on this hunt to like free this pig and I had like (laughs) found the pig and but then I got like trapped in mud and then I like was caught up I, I, I was with this guy named John because I remember screaming his name like John and he wasn't coming then all of a sudden I was like a detective in a library and I had like freed something but then I had to hide because they were looking for me and then like my one friend from childhood like I was hiding and then they were like well your mom and brother are about to leave now so if you put a coat on you can leave them and so then I had to run up to st- like I don't like just a random dream so yeah 
And then sometimes when I have dreams, I like to wake up and then like think about them to see if I can remember everything. Oh, so, I do the same thing. I, if I'm having a good dream, I try and go back to sleep to yes, continue and the see dream. If I can like, yeah. and that's why I didn't watch it at four in the morning because I was like trying to like put the pieces together of like this pig, like where I was at. But then I realized I was watching my 600 pound life and I was watching Dolly's story and I felt like the connection to my dream and Dolly's story, which I don't really know if it's a connection, but the fact that like she was living with her mom, then living with the her ex-husband, then living at this homeless shelter, then living with the guy she met at the homeless shelter, then they rented a room, then they kicked them out the day after. I felt like it was me transporting from like finding this pig to being in this library, to then like hiding in this closet. Like I felt like that was the connection that I was like in all of these other rooms. But okay. I have so many questions about. Wait, but really quickly, did it all work out for Dolly? Because the fact that you told me she no, 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 and okay, and so I know this is uh, the Amazing Race, but sorry, this this has been so. No, they followed Dolly for a year. She lost thirty five pounds, and she thought that that she was like still available to get the weight loss surgery. But this has been my issue consistently with my six hundred pound life. I've been watching it for about fifteen years now, and I remember in the beginning, before it was even a show, it was more a docu series. And, like, you got to thought, like, we followed them for a very long period of time, and we would see the results of, like, the weight loss surgery. Now, with these two-hour episodes, they do follow them for, like, a year. We never see them really get small. Like, we, we, we see a lot of them have the surgery, but we don't ever, like, and that's my issue with 600 Pound Life. Now, mind you, they do do episodes, like, every so often of, like, checking in and then yeah. we follow someone else's story. But no, I want to see them get the weight loss surgery, and I want to see them, like, after the weight loss surgery. Yeah, that's the payoff of the whole episode, you know? But I, I do understand that it is, like, a year process and whatever, but, like, all of the stories are the same. They travel to Texas, Dr. Nile puts them on. Really Texas? Yes, because he's in uh, Austin. He's in Houston, Texas. Oh, okay. They travel to Dr. Nile, and my only thing is like, why do y'all like y'all know? First meeting Dr. Nile, he's only going to like like put you on like a twelve hundred dollar, twelve hundred calorie like diet. So yeah. why don't y'all start that before y'all go see him? Any okay, sorry, but. <laughs> But I just love it. I just I love watching the stories. I like I love and I always love when like we know that they've been cheating and then they step on the scale and then Dr. Now be like, well, what happened? They be like, well, I don't know. And I be like, well, we know. We just saw you eating Oreos. I have to. I'm gonna Google her because I need to know now what happens to Jolly. Yeah, I, it's it's a sad situation. It was oh, like, and mind you, I was almost thinking like, I don't think actually she should be on this show, like because it was very clear that she has some limitations, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, clearly the decisions that she was making, uh, yeah. It, yeah, it was, yeah. Sorry, but that's another little show that I always like. I always record the episodes and I go back and watch them at night. But uh, I'm gonna so. see what I can find out, and I'm gonna text yes, you and let get, you know. Get, report back to me. But listen, let's get to this. So today. sorry, we are so like sorry. that was a lot of minutes. The wrong direction, not the wrong direction, a different direction, a fun new direction. It, uh, it was a U-turn. Yes. And now we're back on track. Great. So, episode nine, we're staying in Greece. Whatever. I don't even care anymore. We're staying in Greece. We're not going anywhere else. It's okay. I love Greece. It was my favorite place to go. It's gorgeous. I'm cool with it. So, this team are staying in Greece. They're using the Travelocity app to pick their hotel room. First of all, I mean, I guess, I guess they need to, like, promote Travelocity somehow. And since they're not flying anywhere, it's... 
this because we had to use the Travelocity app um, to book flights from, I think it was Norway to Italy. But since there's no commercial flights this season, I guess that's how the race fulfilled their, you know, we have to promote Travelocity quotient for the season. So we didn't we didn't get to stay and like pick our fancy hotels, but whatever, that's fine. I'm not bitter. I'm bitter. I'm not bitter. Um, okay, enough with that rant. So as per usual, we're leaving in groups as opposed to leaving based on start time. And in group one, this episode, we have Kim and Penn and Raquel and Kayla, who say today is going to be their day to win a leg. Raquel is honestly, Bryce, like overly positive. And I'm trying to be more positive, but something about it to me just doesn't like tastes right like it doesn't seem genuine i don't know it, it probably is it's just yeah no and raquel is the brunette correct yes yeah yeah it's just yeah but i when they said that i was like i i had my that so raven moment and i was like ooh, is this brooke foreshadowing i'm like, ooh, are they gonna go home but, well, let's yeah. see. You know, it either means they're going to go home or they're going to come in first. There's no middle ground here. When they put a quote like that, and it means they're going to have a great day or they're going to have the world's worst day and they're going to get lost like Natalie and Arun always do. So group one has to drive 30 miles to this theater in Thessaloniki, which is the second largest city in Greece. And Kim starts on this rant where she's doing the best she can. Now, I don't see her really struggling. But she feels that she needs to say this. She is. She needs to psych herself up. I'm okay with it with Kim. Like, she's trying to be positive. She just strikes me as very genuine. She's talking about how she has anxiety and she needs to talk her way through. I get this. I relate to her. So I'm rooting for Kim and Penn, at least out of this first grouping of people. Yeah, me as well. I feel like it takes me back to when they when we restarted the race mm-hmm. and Kim was saying like how uh, she wants to be more positive and that like she's making a mental note. And I was like, when she was saying that, I'm like, oh, this is must this is what she must have been talking. But again, I all I feel like it's more internal than external. Yeah. External because us as viewers, I feel like Kim is like the the the, the best partner ever, but... Yeah, she I, seems very put together to me. It doesn't seem overly anxious or frazzled, but, you know, it's all about how you're feeling on the inside. Right, and so I love the fact that she talks about that because I know that just a lot of people can relate because I, I feel like at times I am very anxious and I don't always show how anxious I am, so I, uh, you know, I like that. I'm doing the best that I could do. I was like, okay, come on, Kim. Yeah, I think I'm going to adopt that, too, because nothing is perfect. Anyone who says perfect is, I think that's silly, because there's no such thing as perfection. Speaking of, Ryan and Dusty start in group two with Arun and Natalia, and Dusty says we need to run a perfect leg today, and I get a feeling of dread because I really like them, and I'm hoping this is not the foreshadowing that they're going home. We like Dusty, but continue. And yeah, you like Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Yes, we like Ryan. So another thing <laughs> that I noticed on this, well, I'll, I'll save that for when we get towards the end. But. Okay, so all of the teams are driving. Arun and Natalia obviously get lost. It's taking them forever to get someplace that everyone else has got to before them. <laughs> and they're headed to the roadblock, which... This roadblock breaks my heart. I'm so glad we didn't have anything like this. It just says, who will leave no stone unturned? This whole theater that they go to is filled with upwards of a thousand stones. And there are only four, one for each team, stones that have a gold coin embedded in the bottom of it. So this is like the worst thing for the last team to get there because it's not like there are four and you can always have to find four. Once one's taken, it reduces your odds. Mm. So... 
First to get there are Kim and Penn. Kim tries to be very methodical in doing this task, but it's getting to her. She's, she's trying to pretend she's at a spa, but it's the worst spa in the world. And this oracle, every time they get there, there's this woman sitting in the center of this, this theater. I didn't write down what she said. I should have written down what she said. Uh, but, leave leave oh, yeah, yeah, thank no you. stone unturned. Oh, you did it better than I would have. Nicely. So Kim is searching, and then Raquel and Kayla get there. They thought they got super lost. They got hella they lucky. They got super lost, <laughs> l- lost, lucky. Right. They got very lucky. They got off the highway, air quotes highway, because it's like an old town. And in, randomly in the right spot, they made their way right to the roadblock, and Raquel is doing this one. And she's trying to psych herself up and tell herself how great she is, and blah, blah, blah. And she walks in, the oracle, in her same way as you said it before, which starts to get to me after the second time, is... Leave <laughs> no stone unturned. I like your accent. <laughs> and then... In a stroke of, I don't know, I feel like, oh no, sorry, I thought for a second, for a second, that Arun and Natalia showed up next, but no they didn't, that would be silly. Ryan and Dusty show up next, Dusty decides he's going to do this task, and he starts doing it, and then finally... Wait, 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 but what what does she say when he gets there? Go ahead. Oh, you want me to do it? No, you do it. (laughs) Leave no stone... I don't know where you found the music that quickly, but that was fantastic. I wish there were more than four teams. And so as the three of them are looking, Kim has now been there for quite some time, and she thinks she's gone through all of them. Bryce, she's touched the right rock more than once. She kicked it, she had her hand on it, and she just didn't turn it over. And then finally, Arun and Natalia show up. Arun decides he's going to do this one, and when he gets into the theater, he sees this beautiful oracle who says... Oh, you weren't queued up, were you? <laughs> Leave no stone unturned. You love it so much. <laughs> anyway, everybody's searching for whatever. Everyone started with a, a strategy to either start in the outer ring and work inward, start at one end and work their way around. These strategies have now gone. All out the window. Out the window. Out the window. Raquel has kicked the right stone. Kim has touched the right stone. This is one of those challenges that'll like really screw with your head because you want to stay relaxed and remain methodical and search everywhere. But as people show up, you get more and more frantic, and then you just stop remembering where you are because it's not like you can turn a stone over and it's a different color on the other side. You don't remember where you've been or what's happened. So. Right. Raquel gets there. She starts talking about how she meditates and how it's going to help her. And she's like bonding with the oracle. Meanwhile, Dusty's losing his mind and starts mm. acting like a monkey. Mm. Yeah, Dusty, uh, he was losing it. But uh, I always say, like, I liked what he said was that, like, this challenge, and I love that it's like challenge nine. It is the, uh, I just had the word in my mind. And it, it, it's like, it's the, the challenge equalizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's no, you know, no brains, no strength. No, nothing's going to make you do better at this. No rhyme or reason. I do, mm-hmm. I would like to say that I do think that, like, positive energy is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, if I were on this race, like, oftentimes I think if it's, like, me and Wendell or me and you, like, I would want to do this because, like, for me, That's I fun. just would, like, <laughs> sing Destiny's Child songs in my head the whole time. Like I'll I would tell be, you like, what, Brett. Oh, in your head. I was going to yeah. say, they'd stop you from singing it out loud. 
Yeah, no, I was singing. Yeah, trust me, I know I'm surviving. Oh, you know that well, right? They was like, yeah, but I would be like, I would be like, oh, my ladies, independent, throw your hands up at me. I'm a survivor. I'm not gonna give up. Bugaboo, you're bugging what? You're, like, I literally would like just be like, I like they would get on my like. I think the other teammates would get on my nerves. They would, I would get on their nerves because like I would, uh, I would refuse to let it get me down. Now the yeah, one, and I, I think would, Arun is the same way. Like he's getting. Excited that Dusty's losing it. He's refusing to let it get him upset or frazzled. He's not doesn't have a strategy anymore. But he's not getting upset or frazzled. They already were upset and frazzled in the car. He's been yelling at Natalia the whole way. They can't even get the directions correct. But when he gets here, he stays very calm, which is good. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's, it's really about the good juju that you put out and staying calm, staying methodical, and just being like, and I was dying when Kim was like, you know, I know that, like, you know, when you watch Amazing Race, yes. and they play the music, the... <laughs> and, like, I was dying because, like, every time she said it, they would, like, highlight the rock. I was like, oh, Kim, girl. Yeah, she was so close. But maybe this good juju thing is a thing because the one who meditates and the one who was talking chakras, Raquel finds the stone first. Kayla flips out. But it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't bother me the way that it did, like, yeah. previously when Dusty was Yeah, because out. it's not, like, because it, it's not a, so there's a difference in being boastful and there's yes. a difference in like pure celebration and I think that like every team that got it literally had a pure celebration moment um, and other times with Dusty it's been a boastful intimidation type of we ready to eat gobble gobble like you know it's been one of those I agree. I think it was just sort of she couldn't even she didn't, she couldn't even control her elation at that point. So they're just super giddy. They run out of the theater, and the next thing they have to do is go to um, this tower and find Socrates and listen to get your next clue. There are two <laughs> evils. One is good. One <laughs> is bad. This Inter- guy interpretation. Sorry, yeah. Sorry I, my yeah. eyes are getting bigger. Yeah. Interpretation is one. Here is your clue. <laughs> <laughs> now I was like, okay, amazing race. Like I get it. This is supposed to be the great equalizer, but y'all could have had like you know y'all could have had Socrates. Like I don't know. I just felt like this was a very easy peasy uh, leg. Yeah, I think they should have had to have done something. This guy who's playing soccer, not the real Socrates, FYI. The guy who's playing Socrates is like milking his TV moment for everything that it's worth. He is talking so slowly and very uh, emphatically. And just like, just his eyes are getting so big. And he getting close. Oh my God, he was a close talker. So anyway... Once he finishes five minutes later with his two sentences he has to say, Raquel and Kayla make their way to the detour. Before we talk about the detour, after Raquel leaves, Kim finds the stone fairly quickly. Yes. They book it out of there. And then what seems like right after, it was probably a bit after that, Arun finds it, and then there was one. And we see Dusty still searching while everyone else has gone to Socrates and then headed toward the detour. And this is one of those times that's rare that everybody does the exact same side of the detour. So while we know that there were two options, Brigham and Brigham, and in Brigham you had to carry 300 plates up a hill to this cafe, 
And in Breakum, you had to take those 300 plates at the same cafe, smash them, and look for a tiny little clue inside a plate uh, to give you your next location. Now, I like the breaking, but I was Same. like, I, I got on shorts. Like, I don't want to cut my, like, ankle. I mean, we had to do the exact same thing in Greece. We had to, we only had to break one plate. We knew our clue was in it once we did our task. The the way to get your clue was break a plate. It was so fun. I don't remember there being shards. It wasn't particularly um, sharp. I think it was sort of like one of those plates that... that Maybe it wasn't a it's special plate, but it, yeah, yeah, like a breakable plate. Now, one of another hilarious moments for me was after Arun and Natalia found the rock and they had to head to Socrates, child. They couldn't find Socrates. You uh, know, mind you, uh, Natalia was like, uh, we need to go to Persai, Matai, Muti <laughs> at the high school. And Arun was like, what? And again, it brings me back to the conversation that I had. Is it the driver or the navigation? No, this and was I the navigation. Come to the conclusion that it is the navigation. Now, however, mm-hmm. Arun had enough this episode, okay, with the bad directions, but I was cracking up because Natalia was like, hey, there it is, Dad, park on the left. And he was like, Natalia, how many times did I tell you? Tell me left or right. She said on the left, baby boy. But there was a part where she was like, go straight. And he like left or right. Now, mind you, I was with him. I understood that where like, clearly in that one part, it was like she was saying go straight and it was only left or right. However, right. she meant by go straight, by like follow the like, road, follow the even road though road yeah, is yeah. going left. But like go to the one that's like, you know, you ever follow the GPS and it's like bare to your left. Yeah. And, you know, even though it, it's not an exit, but you got to like bare to your left. But yeah, I was cracking up. Natalia was like, Dad, it's the parking lot's on the left. Left all right, Natalia. He'd had it. He'd had it. And I was there for it. It cracked me up. Like, I found it very funny that he was, he just sort of lost his patience. But even in his lost patience, I just found him so adorable that he had me laughing. So, and in his confessional, he was like, I had to yell at Natalia (laughs) today. It was pretty funny. I had to yell. And she's like, but I, but I was saying But I said left, but okay. Sorry. Okay, sorry, Dad. Um, so anyway, everybody makes their way to Socrates. Dusty is still breaking plates. And you know if they're showing you how long someone's been there, he's been there for a long-ass time. Because at this point, he's been searching for two and a half hours. Mm. Now, I don't think Natalia and Arun had found Socrates at this time. I think they were very, very lost because <laughs> left, right, or center, while Dusty is still searching. So the first two teams are sort of pulling away. Raquel and Kayla are smashing plates. They've got a good rhythm. They find the clue after smashing about half of the 300 plates, and they head right to the pit stop, which is this white tower, because somebody painted it white? I mean, I would love to know more of a story behind the tower, but that's what they say, and that's all the knowledge we have. So, Fine. The White Tower is apparently close enough to the cafe that you are running to it. And so we know that what Raquel and Kayla said at the beginning of the episode, that this is their episode to win one, it looks like that's going to happen for them. And it does. They win a trip to Hawaii. But what Phil doesn't say is what he always says right before the last leg of the race. That you're one of the three teams that will be racing for a million dollars. So as soon as Raquel and Kayla check in, we all know this is going to be a non-elimination leg. Otherwise, he would have told them they were one of the three teams racing to the end. So I feel a little bit of relief because at this point, Dusty is still searching. And we're, we're getting to the point of three hours of him. I mean, good for him for not 
totally losing his mind. The MVP in the Dusty and Ryan I team mean, Ryan. is Ryan. Yeah. For staying so cool, but telling him to take a break. And I was talking to my friend about this because y'all now I got friends that be watching Amazing Race. Nice. Um, Listen, the Dusty and Ryan team is really the Ryan team, okay? We don't believe that, like, Dusty and Ryan would have gotten this far without Ryan. Not a slight to Dusty, but just saying that Ryan is definitely the glue that can that is keeping them together. You know what? Disagree. I, oh. I no agree with what you're saying about the glue, but there is no, there has never been a team of one on the Amazing Race. I no, take true. this, I take it a little bit personally, not because you're saying. I'm just saying, Dusty has done everything that he was slated to do as someone who ran the Amazing Race okay. and is also a fairly emotional person. Okay. I always used to joke around that say and say if you watched me on mute, I was an incredibly competent racer. But because I spoke the whole time about thinking I couldn't do things and psyching myself out and, like, talking myself down, people would say, oh, she didn't do a lot or, oh, she didn't do as much. I did the exact same. Well, I I did my half of the roadblocks. I did every task that came to me. There were times I jumped over other teams. And I feel the same way about Dusty. He may not have the best outward monologue and he may get very he may have his own way different than mine, but about getting psyched up and being loud and being, you know, uh, agitated in one way or another but he's done everything so it is a two-person team i get what you're saying about ryan being the calming force that like keeps them from you know going off the deep end is probably the best way i would say it but dusty i think is is has stuck with everything and he's stuck with this turning over the rocks probably way better than i would have so I receive it. You better talk your winner talk. Amazing race winner season 29. You better tell me season no, 28. Akagi on that didn't make the merge to be quiet and humble no. yourself. I hear you. I, I will listen, never say I receive be quiet. It. I will I never say it. be quiet. No, I, just, I receive it. You better check me. I receive I, it. Stop it. I'm I never going to be asked back again. Um <laughs> Okay, back to the story. So Kim and Penn finally find the clue. They also decide to break plates because Kim's feeling a little bit ragey and she decides she needs to break things because after the stone thing, everyone automatically gravitated to breaking plates because nobody wanted to deal with carrying things at that point. So they got through about three quarters of the plates and then they start heading to the White Tower. Aruna and Natalia are still looking for Socrates. Dusty is still searching three plus hours. And at this point, we talk about what you just said about how Ryan has him stop. He says, stop the task, come up here, look at where we are, take in the beauty of everything around us, and just remove yourself from it. And it's probably the smartest thing they could have done, because when you're so deep in something that you've just sort of lost your mind in it, step back, take a breath, regroup, and start again. And so as much as I will go in on Ryan, because I will, I mean, Dusty, Dusty. because I will... (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, as much as I love to talk trash about him, I do think that in that moment when he was taking a step back, and again, you know, I love to hear the outward monologues and how he was saying that, you know, he has a new son, which we know about, um, and some of his old ways, you know, and Dusty is on a road to a better him, and, you know, seeing the old him come out, it wasn't, like, one of his more prouder moments. And so for him, like, during that break, caused by my boo Ryan for him to reflect on that I was kind of still rooting for them to like 
get it. Like, you're still in the game. You're, come on, Sherry. Come on, Sherry. Come on, Sherry. Like, you know, I was having those moments. So, like, you know, my emotions were torn because it's like, I don't want y'all to go out like this. Yeah, that's a bad way to go. There was, there have been a couple times, one that, oh, very quickly, like, that sticks with everyone who's a fan of The Amazing Race knows about it. I think it was season six. There were these huge hay bales that needed, and it was a roadblock. Only one team member could do it. That had to be unrolled. And when I say huge, I mean, like, I don't know, a dozen feet in the air by, like, huge, like, on a farm. And there were 200 of them in a field, and only, like, eight of them had clues. And this team of these two women who were, like, my size, one of them had to unroll and unrolled like 120, like so many hay bales. And Phil did this thing, which we now know about, called Feliminate. He had to come out to the field because everyone had checked in and eliminated this team out in a field after she had done so much work. It's the kind of task where it's like you do as much as you can do. There's no way you could be better. There's no knowledge you could have. There's no strength. There's nothing that could have helped her or in this case Dusty and I have to give him so much credit because if it were me and I were the last one there I would just be going oh my god I let our team down I would have all fallen on me and I probably would have lost my mind so when he does find it and he loses it and gets so excited I'm I'm okay with it I probably would have been twice I was fine I was fine with it Okay. Being as a being as a, that was the only team there too, so yeah, That's you, fair. you could be screaming aloud, but no, he deserved it in that moment. And so, uh, at this point, Arun and Natalia finally find Socrates at this Trigonian Tower after running in circles. They decide to do break them. Dusty and Ryan find Socrates so quickly, or so it seems, because they have great directions. <laughs> yes, and they also decide to do break them. Yes. Now, this is where I would say I've been very critical on the Amazing Races edit of making it seem like it is a close end. Like, you know, like, you know, the teams are neck and neck. Uh, Very critical this season. I felt like all of them were horrible. But I do feel like (laughs) this edit was rather kind of like riveting and being like, oh, who is going to get to the end? So what I what I think is interesting is I actually think it was closer. First of all, they wanted it to seem like it was super close. It wasn't super close, but I think it was close enough because it was sort of getting to be dusk when it was still the same lighting when Dusty and Ryan got there. So it wasn't like it was nighttime and the light and they had turned on like the lights for them. So I think it was probably, you know, within the same 30 minutes or give or take. It was not significantly later when Dusty and Ryan got there. Yes. So Arun and Natalia are breaking plates. Arun's very annoyed with Natalia at this point. <laughs> He's yelling at her on how she's breaking them. She's not throwing them correctly. I can't stop laughing. They seem to find the clue the fastest. And then Dusty and Ryan get there, but Arun and Natalia have left, so we know they're not that close. They break their plates like a boss, but it looks like they have to go through a lot of them, and the editing makes it look like they are super, super close. But as we said, The Amazing Race likes to try and edit and keep it very exciting at the end. Um, Dusty and Ryan pick up this very sweet dog on their way to the pit stop who's (laughs) running with them. I probably would have been easily distracted by the dog. And as the Amazing Race shows you, Arun and Natalia finish in their highest place, third place. When there's only four teams left, but okay. Well, yeah. And then Ryan and Dusty get there. And as they get to the mat, Dusty just 
this is where he sort of breaks my heart and I feel for him. He doesn't get loud. He doesn't get, he just says, please, please don't send us home. Please don't send, like, you can feel for him because that's how mm. I would react. You don't exactly know where you are, but you can assume you're at the end. Like, that's not how you want to go out with a needle in a haystack challenge. And it's exactly what we expected, a non-elimination, which makes me very happy because sending a team home on a challenge like this, just, it wouldn't seem right. Mm. Yeah. But it is like, yeah, and again, when Ryan was just like explaining what I had explained, Dusty, when Dusty was explaining what I had already explained about his son, like, again, was breaking my heart, and I was very happy that they did not go home. However, it also kind of sort of made me happy this equalizer challenge, because as hard and as critical um, of Arun and Natalia I have been this season, I really like the fact that it is like anyone's game and Mm -hmm. you know obviously next week is the last episode I um like I low key I like I I want to root for Arun and Natalia in the sense of like I don't think that they're going to win by by any stretch of the, stretch of the means because like they're going to have to drive and like that's right. going to lose if they them. have to go I mean if the next leg is at the last pit stop they have a chance but if they actually have to go anywhere the, I don't we see it working know. out for them right? so for me for them to make it to this last episode is like they've won the race but ultimately like if I'm going to root for a team it's going to have to be uh, Kim and Penn or Ryan and Dusty just yeah. because I feel like they are the two most deserving of it. Not that Raquel and Kayla aren't, but I feel like they rode the coattails this whole season. And I ain't mad because it's a strategy. Uh, But I just, I'm a little bit more connected to Ryan and Dusty just because they've been beasts this whole time and Kim and Penn. And also, now I don't know if like this has anything to do with it, but like going into the final race, I would not want to be the the first, like I would not want to be Raquel and Kayla. Because it's like, it's it's for me it's a mental game because now it is your race to lose, and I feel yeah, like that's fair. That would like mess with me. I would rather be team two or team like I would rather be team two, three, or four right now because now it's like all I got to do is beat them. All like you know, it, it, I just feel like it is more amping you up to like take their place and for you to be the first team it's like you're going to second guess yourself you're going to be like it's any it's it, it, it's our race to lose but kudos to them for you know making it first uh place when it's only four teams so you know one out of four but you know kudos to them because it seemed like they held their own this episode yeah i wanted them to get a first place i am a big fan of like the all women teams and i wanted them to get a win I don't want them to get the final one only because there are a couple teams that I like better. So next week we have a double episode. So we'll have one episode where a team is eliminated. And then you'll have your final three racers racing to the finish line in what looks to be L.A. Because it looks like they end up at the Galaxy Stadium at the end. And we will see. I'm I'm curious because this is going to be one of the first episodes since since the pandemic where they're in a much more populated city. They've done a very good job of staying more in like rural or country towns where it hasn't been so so crazy. And um, I'm curious to see how a last leg in L.A. is going to play out. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm interested. And and we'll we'll see you one more time next yeah. week for the, for the double episode recap on The Amazing Race. And I'm going to have an update on Dolly from my 600-pound life to see if we can figure out where she is now. And hopefully it's not back with an abusive ex-husband. Because hopefully not. Shall she either with Phil... 
or she back at home with her mom. Now, uh, but yeah, I would love an update on that. That would be great. <laughs> now, here is my question. I'm not a, a betting man, but <laughs> who are you betting that is going to be the team that is eliminated first next week? I mean... <laughs> I hate to say it's going to be Arun and Natalia. <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, Arun and Natalia. Okay, yeah. I mean, love them much, love them much, but that's who yeah. I'm thinking is uh, more likely. Because they're going to have to drive somewhere. And, and they're also they're just not- playing with the house's money at this point. You know what I mean? Like, they ha- they should have been eliminated so many times that the fact that they're still in it is just gravy for them. Like, good for you guys. You did great. You made it to the season finale. But I really feel like this is your time. And now leave it to the three teams that I think probably are going to give it the best now, the best race at the end. I also am very excited to see the, is it the Pittsburgh cop, Mo and... Oh, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. Mike and Mo. Mike and Mo. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Sherry and Akbar next week because don't they be standing at the thing cheering them yeah, on? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm excited to see Queen Sherry and Mo next week. You will see them both at the finish line cheering on whoever crosses the finish line first. And you're, you're saying you want it to be Kim and Penn, yeah? Um, I, well, yes. So my, who I want is Kim and Penn. Who I will be happy for is Ryan and Dusty. And who I would not be mad at is uh, Raquel and Natalia. And who I would, Kayla and Raquel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who I would, who I would (laughs) run naked around my house for is if Arun and Natalia (laughs) won it. Okay. How will we ever know if you ran naked around? Your I house? would. I would. I would take a photo and post it on the Instagram. Okay. <laughs> you would see my cakes on the ground because if they were to win it, that's how much of excitement I would be. Now, here's another question before we go. Um, yeah. That's when you're on the Amazing Race. Now, you probably don't know this because you won. But do the other teams have to be sequestered for the remainder of the race, or do they go home and then do they fly them back out for this last episode? That's something I always wanted I to know. I do know. So, uh, all of the teams get sequestered in a different different cities. Our season, um, the teams went to, they had a villa in Tuscany, apparently. Uh-huh. It was lovely. I don't know. Um, and then, except the fourth, uh, the fourth place team. Yeah, they just have to stay around. Yeah, they stay around. And so, and then everyone gets flown to the finish line, uh, wherever the finish line is. Nobody gets to go home. Otherwise, people would know how long you lasted on the race. So, yeah, there right. is a, a sequester. Um, the season before mine, I think, was Portugal. That It's a different place every time. Gotcha. Um, okay. So and, like- and that's where they stay until it's time to fly you to the finish line city. Okay. So, it's giving Survivor pre-merge trip. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, listen, you may have heard it first here. Well, we are excited, (laughs) also sad, that our amazing race coverage will end next week. But listen, you can count on Brooke and I to come back next week and give you the tea. You might see me naked running around the block. I don't know. I doubt it. You never know. Never never say never. Brooke, as always, it's a pleasure, and we will talk next week. This Thank has been, you. of course, this yeah. has been your amazing race coverage. Bye. And keeping the menu rolling, I really wanted to take some time to talk about this Kanye West documentary 
on Netflix. Okay. The genius a Kanye West trilogy. So I'm assuming it's going to be three parts to it. Two of the parts are up right now and they're about an hour and 20 minutes. Now, like many of you were probably like me, a little apprehensive to watch a Kanye West documentary, given the recent of Kanye West, him going back and forth on the internet with Kim Kardashian, him having his mental breakdowns over the years, not really taking accountability for his actions and definitely just I've had a lot to say about Kanye in these last couple of years however I still wanted to watch the documentary because in the beginning I liked Kanye I thought that he was a great artist made good music I remember when college dropout came out I was literally a freshman in college so it I wanted to see what the documentary was talking about let me just tell y'all purple pants posse the name of this episode is called Intentional. And whoo, when I say watching the first two parts of the documentary that are available now on Netflix was so inspirational to me, it was literally mind blowing. And if you have not watched the documentary yet, do yourself a favor and watch it. You might not be a huge Kanye West fan. You might not be a huge hip hop fan, but the Moral and the lessons and the stories that we are learning of Kanye are universal. It was just for me, I was inspired. I could not believe how confident Kanye was about his gift and his talent. And we see that Kanye West started off as making beats in Chicago and became this hot beat maker, was making beats for Jay-Z. But his aspiration was to become a rapper and no one really took him serious about his rapping. He wanted to get signed to Rockefeller Records where we all know the rock back in the day was like the premier rap label to be on. However, they didn't see it for Kanye as a rapper because at that time, the rap was, you know, you had to be hood. You had to be talking about shooting up in the club. You had to be talking about girls. And Kanye's approach to rap was so different. He was talking from the more regular person, college dropout, talking about aspirations, talking about the what I can relate to, what the regular degular person could relate to that's not in the streets. And most of the rappers that rap about that type of stuff are living in a facade. So it was such a, a new lane. The thing that I admire the most and what I can learn from, and let me just be clear, that Kanye at the time, because this new Kanye, I don't know about. But that Kanye at the time was so intentional about what he wanted, was so confident in himself. And at times, I don't be having the confidence that I should have as just being a gay black man living in my truth as a podcaster, as a former survivor. Like I don't even live in that the type of confidence that Kanye had in himself, bet on himself. Was like, once you hear this, I know. It was just to, and to we all know the story. We all know the songs. We all but to see that he had the now y'all know y'all gonna get me on this word because I'm gonna say it wrong, but he had the know it fall <laughs> to back then. To have someone recording, he wanted to document everything because he knew that what he wanted was going to come true. 
And that like if he believed in God, believed in himself, it would come true. So he had his friend Cootie and Cootie was a comedian at the time. And he dropped everything that he was doing and followed Kanye. And ultimately, Cootie then made a career for himself outside of comedy, docu- making films. And so it, it just is so inspiring. Then to see Kanye West's mom, Donda, on it. Ooh. To see how much of a fan of Kanye she was. To know that she was a school teacher. To know that she instilled so much in Kanye. And she even tells Kanye, like, when when you make it, because she believed that he was going to make it too, don't lose this hunger. Don't let that ego get too big. Like, you could be confident. You could be assured yourself. But remain humble. It is just, if y'all have not watched this, mm, I'm telling y'all, you need to watch it. Then on, and my child, you, you see Beyonce, like in the hallways when he working with Jay, like it's like, it's so, and especially for anyone that remembers the college dropout and remembers that time to see it all document. Like I can literally, I remember when he came out, I think he was almost, in, I think it might've been in Philadelphia when they like put the rock chain on Kanye and said that he was a member of the Rockefeller magazine. Cause back then the blog sites and the internet was a little scarce. So we got our tea from like the source magazine from the wrap up magazine from, you know, in touch, like, you know, and back in the day, shout out. Was, <laughs> I used to, when I was in college, I would walk to the store. Uh, there was like a Rite Aid on Broad Street and I would like, Every Tuesday, because when I worked my part-time job, we would get paid on Monday, and it would hit my check my account on Tuesday. So I would walk to Little Rite Aid and probably buy like forty dollars worth of magazines because like that was how I got my like gossip. That was how I got my. And so it's just so interesting to see all of these things to see Kanye getting invited back to Chicago to talk at this summit, and you know at the time he's going by Kanye West, and and on the panel. <laughs> they just list Kanye and you know how he has an issue with that but he has to go with it and it's just so humble like humble beginnings and I don't know what it is that is going on with the Kanye West today maybe I'm sure he's probably still documentary maybe in 20 years we'll have a different perspective but what I can say now is the perspective the work ethic the confidence the intentionalness that Kanye West and the genius and I'm going to go far and say genius because when we see him making some of these songs that says they want some Marvin Gaye some Luther Vandross like it it is like he is talented you can't take that from that man he might be a lot of things but he is very talented and it just was so inspiring the song through the wire we see when the label flew him out to LA to start working on some other stuff he got in a car accident and they essentially shelved his project, but he still had the de- determination to make his album. He's stealing studio times, running up on people, making the song literally with his mouth wired shut. If that's not inspirational, and we know the story, but actually to see this footage behind it, whoo, Purple Pants Posse, I'm trying to tell you, put aside the Kanye West that we see in the media today. And think about yourself and where it is that you want to take yourself in business, in relationships, in starting a new project, Start like, you know, and put yourself into that mindset and watch this documentary and baby, 
you will be amazed. Okay. I told you here first, check out the Kanye West genius, a Kanye West trilogy on Netflix. You will not be disappointed. It is time for advice. Give it to you by Bryce. It's time for advice with Bryce. Hi, Bryce. I'm turning to you for some relationship advice because you have given such solid advice in the past. My husband doesn't think COVID is a big deal, and I'm on the way other end of the spectrum. We have a one-year-old son that my husband wants me to let my guard down more to socialize him to the world. Completely understand where he is coming from, but every time I make a small step in that direction, I get so anxious. I've done a lot with compromising, bringing my child around a small group of friends and taking him to the store, for example. I have gone off what the pediatrician recommends, which my husband thinks is wrong and wants to go against. When holidays come up, I refuse to have our child around his side of the family who is all unvaccinated. This always turns into an argument and has caused the biggest issues in our marriage. We can't seem to get on the same page with this issue. My husband thinks I need therapy for my anxiety around my son being exposed to potential COVID. He feels like I'm doing more harm to our son and I'm constantly trying to defend my points of view. I know that if my son gets COVID, he probably will be all right, but I can't help my mama bear instinct on trying to protect him. Any advice would be appreciated. Megan. Hey, Megan, and thanks for this week's advice with Bryce. I think that this is such a relatable topic, and I'm sure many of the Purple Pants Posse or anyone listening or anyone in general is going through similar situations with COVID, having children, and maybe the opposite point of view as your partner. So one, I just want to acknowledge that, listen, you being a mama bear and protecting your child, listen, that ain't never going to go away. And that's always going to be the thing as a mother. You're always going to want to ensure that your child is safe and that you are doing the best thing possible. So for one, I just want to acknowledge that and say that you're not wrong for having that outlook. I think that your husband is entitled to his opinion and how he feels about the situation. And he is a parental figure in your child's life. And so he does have a say in how you choose to raise your child. I think that this dilemma is a much more broader subject than just like COVID and raising your child. I also like can reflect back to the political climate and just the climate of the society today, it seems that everyone has their side of thinking and everyone thinks that they are right. And in reality, what I try to preach and to talk about on the podcast is that there is middle ground. We don't have to agree all the time. Like who always agrees with someone? Like I don't want someone that's always going to agree with me. It's more about being respectful and intentional of listening to the other person and coming to some sort of compromise. I, I can say that the COVID thing is such a tricky subject because it is new territory for everyone. Seems like they are being less and less restrictive. I've even read an article that soon Philadelphia won't even be requiring masks. Indoor. So it, it, it is something that brings anxiety. And again, as a mama bear, your number one job is to protect your cub. At the same time, I see your husband's point and that we've got to allow our child to live as much of a normal life as possible. And so his family, you said, is unvaccinated. I also feel like 
when we go out into the public and we go out into the stores, we don't know who's vaccinated or not. Even with people with the cards, it's fake cards out there. And so it just kind of gets us into this element of we got to do what's best for us. And we also have to allow our children to be children and to be safe. And yes, is there a risk of you, your husband, myself, your child getting COVID if you allow him to go around his family? Yeah. But do I I feel like in small doses, if there is a family gathering, maybe you and your son, y'all go for a short period of time. Try to be outside as much as possible with the weather getting a little bit better. You know, more activities will be outside. And so, again, I don't think that your husband is wrong. I don't think that you're wrong. I think that it is a meeting in the middle. I think that, you know, your husband suggesting therapy for your anxiety. Sure, that could be a good thing. Or maybe even marriage counseling in itself to how to problem solve situations when you stand strongly and firmly on one side and your husband stands strongly and firmly on the other side. How do we parent as a unit? Because what is most important to your child, you want to be a united front. And again, I'm all with you for trying to protect your child as much as possible. And I'm somewhat with your husband with allowing your child to live a normal life and have a normal childhood. And the reality of the situation is no matter how much we protect ourselves, we still could get COVID at any time. So it is about maybe being a little bit more lenient on some things, but still standing your ground on another thing. And it's really maybe your husband being a little bit more compassionate and hearing your concern and understanding your maternal instinct is always going to protect your son. But I, I don't believe that your husband wants harm or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't believe that his feelings or his, I, I don't believe his intentions are for your son to be hurt in any way, shape, or form. So again, I think that it, it's a meeting of the minds. It's actually like hearing what he is saying and validating what he says. But it's a two-way street. He needs to hear what you're saying and validate what you're saying. And maybe you come to a meeting of the minds. Maybe your son don't need to attend all of the events that his family does. Maybe it's some events. Maybe it's for shorter period of time. Things of that nature. Making sure he's vaccinated. Making sure that he's boosted. And, you know, ultimately allowing him to go. Allowing him to live. And if whatever happens, if he doesn't get COVID, great. If, if something were to happen where he gets COVID, then still being a united front and caring for him. I think that, again, the most important part for me is being a united front. And being on the same page, I think that that is really important for children to see their parents. They don't have to agree on everything. That's not realistic. But seeing them come together as a united front for me is healthy modeling of behaviors. So I don't disagree with you, Megan. Um, I don't disagree with your husband. I think that it's like for you and your household, you guys coming to a neutral ground and allowing him to be a child, allowing him to be around family, but safely and figuring out what works for you guys would be my best advice. Um, so send me an email me back. Let me know what you think. Purple pants posse, please chime in tweet comment on the Instagram page, what you think we'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much again for writing in. I, I truly appreciate it. 
And once again, if you feel like you need advice with Bryce, please do not hesitate to reach out to the Purple Pants Podcast. You can contact Bryce at purplepantspodcast at gmail.com. Booster Freak, Booster Freak, Booster Freak of the Week. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky, freak? Who's the freak of the week? Might be me, might be you, might be. And we are on to this week's Freak of the Week. With all of this craziness going on, I think that it is still important to uplift and show love to amazing people doing amazing things. And for me, this week's Freak of the Week is none other than President Joe Biden's nomination for the Supreme Court, which is Katanji Brown Jackson. Okay, He said last Friday, this was his nominee setting in motion an historic confirmation process for the first black woman to sit on the highest court in our nation. Okay, and I am here for it. Now, we know it's an uphill battle. It is his nomination uh, and she has to get confirmed. And we know how those proceedings go. But I am excited for the possibility for black and brown girls around the world to see the potential to have a first black woman sit on our Supreme Court. It is truly historic and I am excited. Tanji's resume is very long, okay, with professional diversity she brings to bear that includes two stints at Harvard, prestigious clerkships, judicial opinions, forays into public service, and time served into big law. So listen, she meet the bill, and I am here for it, and so I just had to show my love and support and make Katanji Brown Jackson, this week's Freak of the Week. And if Katanji Brown Jackson is this week's Freak of the Week, we are coming to a close of another amazing episode. I want to thank you so much for always listening and showing your baby boy some support. It is greatly appreciated. If you have not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the Purple Pants Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. We are there. Hit the subscribe button. Write a review. Get Give your baby boy some five stars and make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that we're being intentional this week because it's a, it's a, it's a. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public, might make your stomach hurt. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind, you better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack, you better hurry right back though. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.